The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Good afternoon and welcome to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. This is Pat Leahy sitting in for a few weeks for your regular host, Hugh Linehan. And this morning, I'm joined by our political staff, Sarah Barden and Fiek Kelly. And we'll be discussing a story in the front page of this morning's Irish Times in which reveals that at a private lunch in New York yesterday, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar issued some very stinging criticisms of the Irish media and political journalists in particular. But before I talk to Fia and Sarah about this, we're joined by the author of the story, Simon Carswell, hot off a plane in Dublin airport where he has hopefully found a quiet corner. Simon, good morning. Um, what can you tell us about the event at which the Taoiseach made these remarks? Um, it was a private lunch. It was organised by the Irish Consul General in New York, who's the most senior diplomat in the city, Kieran Madden. And... Uh, uh, the Taoiseach wanted to meet young Irish people working across a range of sectors, media, finance, tech, um, and really just to kind of shoot the breeze with them and to chat with them um, about various subjects. Uh, his own spokeswoman described it as a wide-ranging discussion. And uh, it was a very small at event, um, between 15 and 20 people attended. And uh, it was very casual, uh, I think, in hindsight, a bit too casual in terms of some of the things that the Taoiseach was saying at the lunch. He was in New York to launch Ireland's bid to win a seat on the United Nations Security Council. So this was just one of the events that was organised on a very busy three-day trip to New York. And uh, in this kind of wide-ranging discussion, uh, I think we saw a freewheeling uh, Leo Varadkar talking about various subjects. And there was a Q&A, there was an exchange between the guests and the Taoiseach and at one point, he was asked what he thought of the Trump administration and specifically the president's attacks on the media. And to that, the Taoiseach said uh, it was one of the few things that he would have uh, sympathy with the president on with the, when it came to uh, President Trump's criticism of the media. And obviously, some people in the room took issue with this and they challenged him on it and said, well, um, do journalists uh, talk? There was a discussion around the importance of journalism and investigative journalism. And a point it was pointed out to him that uh, the political profiling firm Cambridge Analytica, now defunct, um, journalism was responsible for showing that uh, that firm obtained personal data from social media companies, from Facebook, and how it was used in Donald Trump's campaign. And also, investigative journalism um, was responsible for revealing the sexual assault allegations against Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. Um, and in response, uh, amongst the comments made by the Taoiseach, he replied saying that he said that print media is often focused on technology and social media companies uh, because they were taking away their business. And he also said that some of the investigative journalism, he said it's not always right. Uh, so, he so he, he, he was prime time in particular. He, he, he was, I mean, th- th- these weren't kind of throwaway comments, as it were. He was challenged on them and stuck to his core point. Is that is that what we understand? Well, this this is this is the thing, and I think this is what shocked people is is that um, he made these fairly incendiary this fairly incendiary comment about him sympathising with Donald Trump's attitude towards the press and a number of 
guests in the room challenged him on that. And I think the shock was more, not just in the initial statement that he made, but also in the fact that when he had chances to uh, walk back some of his comments, he didn't. He doubled down. He doubled down, as the Americans say, yeah. Yeah, he doubled down on those comments. And I think that's what shocked people. And certainly the people I spoke to uh, described the reaction of some in the room as being very shocked to that and very surprised that he would align himself with um, Donald Trump uh, and his criticism of the press, particularly given what Donald Trump is saying about the press. I mean, he's described and repeatedly attacked the media, both as a candidate and as president, describing the media as the enemy of the people and branding stories, fake news. Uh, And really, I mean, I've been at rallies, I've covered Donald Trump rallies, where the crowd turns on the media and screams and, and, and fires abuse and invective at the media in response to some of the comments that Donald Trump has made. So... I can see why people would be alarmed that, uh, to hear the Taoiseach saying that he had some sympathy with Trump in regards to that. You're, you're, you're just off uh, a plane, so you, you probably haven't seen some of the reaction to it here this morning. And government ministers have been out and the line appears to be, thus far at least, that, oh, you know, what he said was taken out of context. He's been quoted selectively. Is is that consistent with the accounts of the his remarks that you hear? The accounts as reported, um, as I have gleaned from sources, uh, are accurate. So it was a lunch, a lunch that lasted more than an hour. So clearly there, is, there isn't the full context provided because we don't know exactly what else he said and, and what other subjects he was talking about. And my understanding is he was talking about an awful lot of subjects, um, an awful lot of topics. Um, uh, there were some people involved in finance in the room, so I'm assuming there would be discussions around uh, that and some of the issues, economic issues, that the teacher is dealing with day to day. But the one thing I would say is that uh, when I heard what he said, I mean, my first question was, was he joking? Um, and the sources said, no, uh, this was this was what's, uh, what surprised people, is, is that he made these comments, he had an opportunity to clarify them, and he uh, strengthened his comments and was more critical of the media. And he took a particular um, he took a particular pop at the uh, Irish political reporters and Irish political correspondents. Um, he was joking that he said there were more journalists than TDs in Dáil Éireann and that they were only interested in... There are most days, the anyway, that's for sure, because the TDs aren't there, but anyway. And uh, he, 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 he made the point that he said that uh, journalists and uh, Irish political journalists weren't, partic- weren't interested in the truth, but in the story. Uh, and I think that's another comment that, that surprised people around the table. So ju- just, to the table. Be, yeah, ju- just to be clear, from the accounts of the, uh, of the remarks at the lunch that, that, that you reported in uh, th- this morning's paper, this certainly, weren't, this certainly wasn't uh, a case of kind of throwaway comment of politician belly aching a bit about, uh, about the media. These were kind of detailed criticisms that clearly come from a, 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 a place of antipathy towards the media and a sense that the media is being unfair to him and not giving his, his, his government a fair crack of the whip. Is, that, is that, that fair enough? I think that's a fair characterization of it. He did say multiple times at the lunch that he acknowledged, you know, he's a politician, so he's going to be biased talking about the media because he's covered by the media. 
Um, and actually, at one point, he did say during the lunch that he gets quite good press and perhaps he shouldn't complain, or uh, words to that effect. Um, so he wasn't, uh, he, he did stress several times that, you know, he's biased when he's talking about the press. But I think there was a wide, wider, this was part of the wider discussion on on the media. And a point he also made, and I had have heard from others that he has made these points privately in the past, that his view is, is that, well, the media landscape has changed. And he made the point that in print media is in decline and um, younger people, young people don't read newspapers anymore. And he made that point uh, during the discussion as well. So that kind of gives you an idea of just kind of how wide ranging the discussion was and, and how freewheeling the Taoiseach was at this lunch. OK, Simon, we'll, uh, we'll let you make your way to Passport Control. Thanks for joining us this morning. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Fiak, you've just come from a doorstep uh, interview with Ministers Pascal Donoghue and Owen Murphy. Mm. What yeah. were they asked about as a matter of interest? Uh, well, they were the, what was supposed to be a trio at this uh, press conference to turn the sod on Devony Gardens. It was just a duo this morning because our T-shirt pulled out overnight, I'm assuming because of the story in the paper this morning. Um, they were asked, of course, about his comments and they both what defended the line in different ways. Pascal Donoghue said, you know, of course, I'm very in favour of the free press and the strong press is, you know, crucial for our democracy and myself and the teacher were both agreed that we would not like to see the kind of, I'm paraphrasing now, the dark themes that have graced the stages in other democracies enter Irish political discourse, etc., etc., etc. But Owen Murphy was more or less still questioning the veracity in the context of the reports, the alleged reports, the alleged co- comments, and, you know, taken out of context, which we pointed out to him was a bit ridiculous because the whole comment, according to Simon Carswell's report this morning, was a discussion on the media itself. And they both said that the teacher would address this later on in the doll. So it's very much a holding position from them until we hear from the teacher himself about what he is to say. Mary Lou MacDonald just was at the same event because it was a constituency, a uh, big constituency uh, deal for people in Dublin Central. And she uh, said that the teacher seemed to lose the run of himself when he went to America, which at this stage I think is fair comment. And uh, she said she will be raising it with him in on the floor of the House and we assume that is leaders' questions too. So we all await. And in general, were ministers defensive about it? Were they throwing their eyes up to heaven about it? It's, I mean, it's going to be the story of the day, possibly of the week. Uh, not really uh, what ministers I, want to be talking about. I got the sense that it was something they could do without, that it was a headache they could do without, that... Speaking to people privately this morning, there is a sense among them that, oh my God, again, he has put his foot in it. Like, while they will publicly defend the line, there is a lot of, you know, head in hands type thing going on that while they say, yes, to criticise the press is fair game and let's, look, let's take let's take criticism on the chin when we get it. We, we criticise, we have to be open to criticism too. The Trump thing was just a step beyond that people feel if he hadn't have gone that far it would be a lot more manageable, but he just couldn't help himself. And by associating himself with comments made by Donald Trump, I think they feel it's a step too far. And it's another example of perhaps his poor judgment at times in assessing the audience in which he finds himself and his poor judgment in making comments that invariably will leak because he is the Taoiseach. And I don't think he has fully got the grips with the fact that what he says is taken quite seriously. The, of the Taoiseach's gaffes, and there has been more than a couple of them, a disproportionate number of them appear to take place overseas. Yeah, it's the classic thing that politicians go away and they seem to forget that, you know, there are press with them. Again, as I said, people listen to what they say because they are important political figures and they just kind of lose run themselves a bit. This follows on from his comments last March at the Speaker's lunch in on Capitol Hill 
where Donald Trump was in the audience and he more or less kind of tried to ingratiate himself by Trump by saying, you know, you spoke to me when I was Minister for Transport and you had issues in Dunbeg and I did what I could. And while he didn't do anything untoward, it just really, really jarred. The interesting thing then was that Faradkar privately acknowledged afterwards that he did mess up, that it wasn't the correct thing to say. The more interesting thing about this one is it pretty much reveals his private views that there is perhaps... It's not it's not as easy to explain this one away because this this probably reveals what he thinks about the press and on a wider issue, it calls into question how open he is to criticism generally. Like I think we can all agree that he's got a fairly easy ride off the press press heretofore. What type of reaction will he, you know, come up with or what type of way will he greet criticism on a level that will come to him because it will come that Brian Cowan got when he was Taoiseach now at different times and to Kenny towards the end of his tenure as Taoiseach and Bertie Ahern it happens happens them all happens them all doesn't and it and this what we've seen today has shown that he does not handle it well and it gives sucker to people in Fianna Fáil who say he's not good under pressure he'll make a mess up in a general election campaign and all we have to do is sit back and wait for the show Sarah, I'm perplexed at, at, at some of the uh, Taoiseach's remarks because I, I, I would have thought now, you know, maybe all of us in this room are not in the best position like the Taoiseach to, to judge this matter dispassionately, but I would have thought that Taoiseach gets a reasonably positive media. He's still in that early stage of his premiership where, uh, you know, he's not faced with a hostile media every time he goes out. No, because he has developed quite a situation where, he, as we've spoken about in this podcast, I think last week, where he sees himself as very much a presidential type candidate, where there's a distance um, now between the media and the Taoiseach. And every word that Leo Varadkar says is scripted to within an inch of its life. Everything has been discussed with his handlers before he says it. However, the difficulty for him and for his handlers and for the Fine Gael party is that the minute that he's given an opportunity to go off script, he reveals his true self. So when he was in Downing Street with uh, Theresa May and he talked about how excited he was to be there in the place where, you know, Love Actually, he'd seen the seen the scenes in Love Actually. And when he went to the United States and fangirled over Donald Trump and then he goes to America again and he's sitting in a room, as we heard from Simon just before um, Fiag spoke there, a 50 20 youngish people and he's it's like he's trying to seem cool to them you know that he's trying to impress the people who are in the audience who are who who it's safe to say the majority of the youth of uh, today would have a, a certain amount of disdain for Donald Trump as president of the United States and yet he's going in there sympathizing with him and misjudging uh, the crowd in which he's speaking to and it really shows that the mask is slipping forever occur every time that he is off script every time he doesn't have his words crafted for him, that he reveals his true identity. And as Fiat says, he is probably um, one of the most, from from my time in Leinster House, he is one of the most sensitive politicians when it comes to criticism. He reads every single word that is written about him. He will contact said journalist to correct or to clarify remarks that have been made about him. And... uh, he keeps talking about how he, you know, as, as Simon said when he spoke at the lunch yesterday, you know, I have a pretty good run from the from the media, but actually, they're a, you know, they're I a don't bunch really like of, them. I don't really like them. They're a bunch of useless people. They're more interested in gossip than they are in actual uh, in actual news. I mean, coming from Leo Varadkar, I just think that's hypocrisy in its finest form. Will this matter? Do you think 
beyond clearly it's the story of the day today be uh, you know it's a significant controversy about it this morning you'll have to answer questions in the doll about it but will it matter beyond that in a broader political sense will it register with the public I wonder look I don't know how much the general public will you know get too agitated about a Taoiseach or a politician criticising the media because we're not really anyone's we're not that popular either we're not really anyone's what? cup of tea you know <laughs> um, but at the same time I mean just to, to, to uh, an anecdote my sister um, who is 26 years of age who couldn't care less what happens in Leinster House at the best of times texted me this morning to say she couldn't believe that he was siding with Donald Trump. That's the only thing people will take from this. They won't take his criticisms at the media. They won't take his criticisms of political correspondence and our uh, our f- fanciful uh, affair with gossip. Um, they will take the fact that he has sympathised with Donald Trump. And I think that's the thing that will damage him the most. But in the long run, as Fiek says, it shows that uh, he is not good when he's off script and that when you're in a general election campaign and there is intense media scrutiny and we're shouting, you know, right front row and centre every question we can possibly think of him, he will crumble under that pressure. And uh, up until now, he has, you know, that hasn't happened for him because I said, as I said, everything has been crafted and scripted for him. And in a way, you know, everything that we've ever thrown at him in a doorstep. He's already thought of it, you know, because we're usually dominated by the events of the day when we're at a doorstep and he's scripted those answers. When we're in a general election campaign, you know, you can't script every outcome. You can't script every answer. And we already knew that he had to have some difficulties with the meeting and greeting of the uh, of the public and on a general election campaign trail. But now it shows that when he's under pressure and when he's under scrutiny, he loses the run of himself and there's a rush of blood to the head and he says things which, as Vic says, is his true identity. And now, you know, three of us in this room may know that. Now the general public are coming to terms with what Leo Varadkar is really like. Vic, he was making the point that uh, there are more political journalists in Leinster House than TDs. Now, that's that's clearly, uh, clearly not true. But I'd be interested in a count of political journalists versus the number of press officers that work for the government at public expense. My expectation is that there are rather more press officers and spin doctors than there are journalists. But I suppose the broader point is that relations between the political press Mm. and the political leadership Mm. of the country are supposed to be Mm. at odds. There would be something wrong, I think, Mm. if the Taoiseach felt that uh, that he was getting a soft press or that the journalists were doing a great job. Yeah, that's always the case. I think in my digest this morning, I quoted the old Enoch Powell line, you know, for a politician to complain about the press, like a ship's captain complaining about the sea. It's absolutely true. Uh, There has to be a healthy tension. Um, I think what this will serve to do, though, you know, it will come, it will go. I think Sarah is right that the association with Trump is particularly bad. That will get cut through to a certain extent. But I think this will mark a turning point in his relationship with the media generally, that he has had an easy enough ride up to this, that I think that will end now because of this. Like I noticed, and will he, that make it more difficult for him to campaign, to get his message out? Well, or does this, he still retain the ability... To talk to people above the heads. He still retains that ability. Um, but I'll put it here this way. I'm, I'm not saying that this will affect anybody's coverage because we all have to be fair and we all are fair and balanced in our approach. But I did notice this morning that he criticised RTE. I did notice a couple of tweets singling him out for publicly praising primetime on the one hand and then in private having a go at them. And there's only so many Twitter followers and social media followers and Instagram followers you can garner. But an angry RTE 
will counteract all of those. Mm-hmm. There is some damage. I think there will be some residual damage here. I'm not saying RT you're going to be biased in your coverage towards him, but there is a sore and bitter taste in many people's mouths because of what he said this morning. I think and if you that look won't at be the Twitter feeds way. of a lot of journalists yeah. this morning, you'll uh, uh, you'll see that. But I want to ask uh, one, one another question, Sarah, is that aside altogether from the immediate politics of this, does the Taoiseach have a point? Are we sometimes a bit oh, too attentive to, to gossip? Do we sometimes, you know, pay too much attention to process rather than substance? Do we examine the work of government enough uh, as opposed to the daily toing and froing of politics? Look, find me a workplace where there isn't a bit of idle gossip that circulates the corridors. I mean, we work in an institution where uh, essentially you have four or five different different rivaling companies, you know, who are bitching and moaning about each other. And of course, they come to us as uh, as correspondents to listen to their to their whining and to the little bit of idle gossip. And we're happy to receive it. Do sometimes we pay too much attention to gossip? Perhaps we do. But, you know, I don't think that that's a fair, fair criticism. I mean, when uh, you look back at the Irish Times political coverage over the past however long. Have we really reported that idle gossip um, in any great shape or fashion? Like, I don't think we do. We are usually picking up what political, what the politicians themselves are saying. So, you know, to, to criticise us as members of the media is to criticise themselves because for the last week, all, for the last three years, every corner I have turned in the building of Leinster House, I am asked... When is there going to be an election? When's the election? We're going to ask you that shortly, but carry the on. Next, the, for the past week, I have listened to uh, idle bits of gossip about what he, Leo Varadkar is doing, what Micheál Martin's doing, who's out manoeuvring the other. Uh, you know, this is what this is the, the lifeblood of not, not just political correspondents, but politicians. There is the amount of gossip that you, I, or Fiek have picked up in our time in, in Leinster House has ever made it into the paper. I think is quite minimal. We focus a lot on the uh, issues that are facing the people. Uh, uh, Perhaps this... sometimes we get it wrong and we did get it wrong. We have got it wrong previously with certain issues. We look back at water charges. We can question um, where, whether we were on the right page with regards to the ref- recent referendum on the Eighth Amendment. But at the same time, you know, it is our job to focus on the events within Leinster House and outside. And if the if the corridors of Leinster House are packed with gossip and when there's going to be a general election, it's pretty hard to ignore and dismiss that. And, you know, for, for the leader of Fine Gael and the leader of government to criticise uh, gossip when he's the one for the pa- him and his team for the past week have been the ones spreading the spreading the line about a September election, you know. And well, and, and whatever about election speculation, which seems to me as part of the furniture of political discourse everywhere uh, at all times. This is the Taoiseach who has tweeted pictures of his socks, who has... And his dishwasher. dishwasher. (laughs) With a llama. The dishwasher, the llama. His first outing with a foreign leader um, in Dublin was to flash his socks. It's just a Trudeau thing, you know, so... Cuts both ways. Yeah, and also, like, we like, can't, they can't accuse Are we saying that the Taoiseach is a monstrous hypocrite on all this? No, I'm saying that he's trying to... We're saying that, you know, on the one hand, he says, you know, they're focused on trivial gossip and tittle-tattle, and on the other, he's tweeting a soft, approachable, which he's perfectly entitled to do. He wants to create an image of himself as a young leader in tune with the people, but you can't... Like, they, they, it's quite obvious that those images are put out for public consumption, and they'd be more than happy if we picked them up, but we 
but most of the time we don't. So you kind of want him to do it. But the one thing, they, this is the kind of like, you know, politicians always say this type of stuff. We're only interested in gossip. We're only interested in scam. We're not interested in the working government. Well, in fact, we are. But we're not interested in the working of government on your terms. Yeah. They would be quite happy for us to turn up at every spit and whistle launch they do, sod turning and say, the Minister for Finance today launched the following. And when they've, they've launched it a million times over. We are interested in the working government as we see them as relevant to our readers. So we are interested in topics like Brexit, abortion, all these issues, but not on their terms. And that's the distinction that every politician fails to see. Every politician falls into this trap. Well, the teacher could be on his feet in the doll shortly, presumably answering questions uh, about this and perhaps other matters. So the three of us had better get back up there very shortly. But before we go, I just want to uh, uh, cover one one further topic, Sarah's favourite uh, topic indeed. But <laughs> Fiuk, you were writing in this morning's paper about this sort of phony war mm. that's going on between uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael at the moment. It seems to me that what the, uh, Taoiseach and his ministers have been doing in, in recent days and weeks is to try and create the context where an autumn election, a September election or early October election is is possible. I, I, I don't know whether he has chosen to go for that or whether he merely wants to keep give himself the option. Uh, what's your view? Uh, I was speaking to one of the Finnegan ministers last night and I said, well, what, what do you think? And they said, look, they, they thought he was just enjoying stirring the pot to a certain extent and that, you know, he, he may have an open mind. Of it. But I just think that the... The sequence of events is such now that it would seem like a slightly daft proposition to me if he were to go in September because Fianna Fáil have clearly decided that they're, they aren't ready for an election. They're low ebb in the polls. They're trying to box off every reason for so him to come. So why wouldn't Varadkar want an election Because then? we're going to have... If, 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 if he follows this line of argument, if Fianna Fáil agree with him on the budget, they agree with him on Brexit, Michal Martin is pretty much going to make sure that as many of his TDs as possible vote for the abortion legislation that comes before the House. We are down to the situation where Atishka is faced with the calling of an election on the basis that Michal Martin won't talk to him until November. And that's it. Like, that is the only reason I can see if we follow this line of argument, you must talk to me now to, to, to extend the deal. Michal Martin says, no, the deal says end of 2018, which it does. It, it actually is on Fianna Fáil's mm-hmm. side here. That, you know, it's, it, it's a valid argument for Varadkar to say, well, if you had a public sector pay deal, you know, wait till it falls and then do another one. But, like, there is a kind of a buffer period where the finance bill and social welfare bill goes through. So that is the situation that Faradkar faces, that like, if he wants to call an election, he calls an election in September on the basis that Fianna Fáil won't talk to me until November. And this is against the backdrop of a crucial European Council summit in October. So he gets blamed for the election yeah, and is open to the yeah, accusation of it deal. being irresponsible yeah. at that particular point in time and also that he has broken the confidence. Yeah, I think if they could it. have engineered a situation where there's an election and Fianna Fáil were blamed for it, well and good, they'd be on their way out the door. Happy, happy days. But Fianna Fáil but don't look like they're Fianna going to play Fáil ball with aren't that. going to play ball with that, and are you know boxing that off in every single way. But it's a clear strategy by Bradker. I mean, he is. This, it's not like he's going to pull the plug in September. What he's doing is trying to poke and prod at Michal Martin and agitate him and his party into calling a general election, so he can go into a general election and say. We're in the most crucial time of the Brexit negotiations. Mm. The abortion legislation hasn't been passed. We're facing X, Y and Z and Fianna Fáil are calling an an election. That's what Varadkar's strategy is. And Micheál Martin sort of has a little bit fallen for it. You know, I was at that doorstep with Martin last last Wednesday when he he had a very uh, 
critical line of attack um, against Farag Kern. I've never seen him as kind of agitated as he was. So he's kind of fallen for what Farag Kern set him up for. Um, but I think, you know, the dynamic will change after today's events. Well, they really want a September uh, election, um, you know, knowing now what they know about what Fracker uh, can do under a little bit of pressure. It has to be said, though, that Fianna Fáil are entering any talks from a position of extreme weakness. They are weak. That's why they've decided to keep this thing going for a while longer. Fracker knows they're weak, Fine Gael knows they're weak. So it'll be interesting to see how much Fine Gael decide to push Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, excuse me, if and when there are talks and successor deal. Do they just... Minister to me and say, look, if we just continue on as we are, loose arrangement for two to one in terms of spending versus tax cuts, and then we're all happy. But did they decide to push for more? That's going to be interesting to them. But how hard will these negotiations be when they come? The because nature of deal making in politics, though, is that there has to be something hmm. in it for both sides. Hmm. Otherwise, why hmm. would Fianna Fáil agree to an extension? Because they don't want an election now. It's the only rationale you can give for why they've decided to do this or approach this in such a conciliatory fashion. They're at a low ebb in the polls. They say that their constituency polling shows them doing far better. Maybe it does. That's what everybody says. says. Uh, But they've clearly made a decision to to stick this out. What they look for as well is going to be interesting. But I think given that we're heading into this period between October and March, and both figures in both parties say the two centrist parties or the two major centrist parties will not be thanked if the thing collapses in a situation where we miss a pop, probably miss a deadline for a withdrawal agreement in October, goes into November, Brexit happens in March. We don't know if the transition deal will be in place. Even if the transition deal is in place, what could happen? They just don't want that. And then you're into a situation where you have the local Europeans. It's just the timetable is stacking up against the calling of an early election, I think. He, he might have missed the vote. He may have missed the vote. And I think he may have... Well, he... Tr- he clear, I. They clearly tried to engineer something in terms of the way they were structuring the budget. They were hoping that Fianna Fáil would have a row with them. Fianna Fáil didn't. They seem to have this misguided belief that Micheál Martin will eventually face some sort of internal dissent and a heave and that will cause an election. I don't know if that's going to happen either. But I think he did probably miss the vote. If he wanted to go early in the immediate aftermath of the, of the referendum, week or two may have been it. I think we're past that point now. Well, this and much more gossip and trivia over the course of the day. Uh, thank you both for joining me. And that's all for this week. We'll talk to you next week.